Well, today just might be decision day for you. You see, God has paid us the ultimate compliment. God allows you and God allows me to make our own decisions and to call our own shots. When he created us in his own image, one of the traits that God gives to you and he gives to me is the ability to understand, the ability to reason, and also the ability to make choices. With that in mind, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 18. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 31. But I want to give you a little bit of background because the background of this passage is this. Many of you have heard the story of how Jesus talked to that rich young ruler. Well, the rich young ruler came up to Jesus and he said, What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Well, the bottom line was this. He told that rich young ruler that you need to make the Lord your priority and you need to make people your priority, especially poor people. Amen? And to let us know that Jesus and people are far more important than money. That God and people are more important than things, than possessions, than stuff, or anything like that. Well then, after the Lord's encounter with that rich young ruler, and after his conversation with his disciples about just who can be saved, Jesus predicts his death and his resurrection for the third time. In verse 31... The Bible says, Then he took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all the things that are written about me by the prophets concerning the Son of Man are going to be accomplished. They're going to be fulfilled. Verse 32, For Jesus, he will be delivered to the Gentiles. He will be mocked. He will be insulted. He will be spit upon and they will scourge him and kill him. And the third day he will rise again. I want you to stop for a second and I want you to think about what Jesus just said. I want you to determine if you can answer this question. Do you understand what Jesus just said? You see, what Jesus just said does not take a rocket scientist to determine what he means. I would fully expect you to say, yeah, Bill, I understand what Jesus said. I mean, after all, those are some pretty simple words to understand. We understand words like mock. We understand words like insult, spit, scourge. Kill. We understand, although we may not understand all of its depths, we understand what it means to rise again after you're dead. We understand exactly what Jesus was saying. He was telling his apostles this. Listen up, boys. I've got something very important to tell you. We're going to go to Jerusalem, and when we get there, 
I'll be turned over to the Romans who are going to mock me. They're going to treat me shamefully. They're going to spit on me. They're going to whip me within an inch of my life. And then they're going to kill me. But on the third day, I will rise again. Now what could be more clear than that? I can dig that. I can understand that. And Jesus didn't tell him just once. This was the third time that he had predicted this. What could be more clear than what Jesus just said? Well, now let's go on to verse 34. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them. And they did not know the things which were being spoken. Now that's interesting to me. And that leads me to my first point. Why didn't those apostles understand? Why didn't they understand? I've often wondered, what was the matter with those guys? I mean, were they hard of hearing? Why didn't they get the message? Why didn't they understand what Jesus was saying? Well, I think that there are probably several answers that we need to consider this morning. First of all, we need to realize that there are some things that we learn in life that we look back and we are absolutely amazed that we didn't learn them sooner. Amen? How many of you have looked back in your life and you have wondered, why did I do some of the stupid things I've done? Don't raise your hand, amen. I'll raise mine for you. Over and over again, I've looked back and said, I wish I knew then what I know now. Amen. Life could have been a whole lot easier if I'd have just learned these lessons earlier in my life. You know, many times parents want to shelter their kids from harm by trying to get them to learn from the parents' mistakes. Sadly, though, a day is coming when your kid is going to do the same thing. They're going to say, why didn't they learn from my mistakes? But if you're like me, your kid ain't no different from Brother Bill. He just got to learn the hard way. Amen. You see, our first parents were not Adam and Eve. Our first parent was God and the first kids were Adam and Eve. Let me help you. So God puts the kids, Adam and Eve, into the Garden of Eden. And he has that same parental conversation that you've had with your kid. He says, you have the run of the garden. You can do anything you want. It's all yours. Only don't eat of that forbidden fruit. Now, not unlike any of our kids... The first thing that Adam and Eve do is they raise their hand and they say, Daddy, where's that tree 
of forbidden fruit. And it was probably about there where God had wished that he'd quit creating with the ant. Amen. But he still says, okay, it's right over there. And it wasn't long till Adam and Eve, like every other generation of person, went over there and started eating of that forbidden fruit. And then after they had eaten that forbidden fruit, Daddy asked them, why did you do that? And they said, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why I did that. And God said, well, you can't live here anymore. I can't allow sin and rebellion to be in my sinless, perfect garden and so God had to pronounce a curse that one day they would experience death. Friend, it was only then, shortly thereafter, when God told them to be fruitful and multiply. Now that's important. Why did He do that? Well, I wonder if they didn't realize it, but maybe kids are part of the curse. Somebody say amen. Poor Jacob. <laughs> Maybe God was thinking, I'm going to show you what it's like to have kids. I'm going to show you what it's like to have kids who eat forbidden fruit. I'm going to give you kids of your own. Well, friends, in some ways, our 12 apostles today were just like Adam and Eve. They were just like kids. Jesus told them what was going to happen. He told them over and over and over again. But they couldn't understand it. It went right over their heads. Why didn't they understand what Jesus was saying? Well, maybe there's another answer. The Apostle Paul wrote to a church not unlike ours, the church at Corinth, and he wrote in, to, uh, in 1 Corinthians 2.8, he said, listen, none of the rulers of this age understood it. They didn't understand either. None of the rulers understood it, for if they had known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Did y'all catch that? Did y'all hear that? If the rulers, the Roman governor Pontius Pilate, if the high priest Caiaphas, if the members of the Jewish Sanhedrin, if the Roman soldiers, if they had understood who Jesus was, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And if the Lord of glory had not been crucified, there'd be no hope for me and you. So what was going on here? What was happening here? Well, when the Apostle Paul refers to the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, he often calls it a mystery. A mystery. And the word for mystery that he uses in the original Greek language of the Bible means a military strategy that is kept secret 
from the enemy. A military strategy kept secret from the enemy. You see, most times a military strategy often has to have secrecy. Even the commanders out in the battlefield, they don't know the strategy until the last possible minute because if the enemy finds out what the plan is, then the plan will fail. If Satan had found out what was happening, if Satan had found out that God's plan to save you and to save me was going to come through the death of his son, it never would have happened. Satan would not have allowed it. And so God kept it a secret. It was a mystery. It was a mystery. And so on a hill called Calvary, while they're driving nails in the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, while Jesus is writhing in pain, while his blood is dripping from the cross to the ground, while Jesus is dying on that cross, Satan saying, I've won! I beat God. Evil wins. Righteousness is defeated. But he didn't know the plan of God. He didn't know the mystery. And it wasn't until three days later when Jesus rose from that tomb that Satan realized that he had made a gross miscalculation. He had misjudged God's plan and he had made a critical, critical error. Satan must have thought, ah, I have played right into the plan of God. I did exactly what God expected I would do. I crucified the Lord of glory. And now sinners can be redeemed. Now sinners can be saved from the penalty of their sin. Oh. Jesus told the disciples. He told these apostles three times ahead of time. But it went right over their heads. And they did not understand it. But here comes a very important second point. If you're listening, say amen. amen. Do you really understand? Do you really understand what went down that Easter weekend some 2,039 years ago? Do you remember it? Do you know what it meant? Do you understand it? Do you understand that message? What about us? Do we understand? You see, 1 Corinthians 1.18, Paul wrote, he said, The message of the cross is foolishness to people who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. Have you ever read about those two men 
who were walking down that road to Emmaus. And as those two disciples were walking after Jesus had been resurrected from the grave, when they finally opened their eyes and they realized that they had been talking with the glorified Jesus, He really was alive. He really had been raised from the dead. He really did conquer death. The Bible says that their hearts burned within them. I think that's what ultimately happened to our apostles today. After the resurrection, their eyes were opened. You see, the puzzle pieces begin coming together for them. The words of Jesus suddenly begin to make sense to them. For perhaps the first time, In the last three years, they had begun to understand the teaching that Jesus had been providing that went over their heads time and time again before. And if you're honest, like me, it's the same way it happens with me and you. All this cross business, all this uh, dying business, All this shedding of blood, all this, are you kidding me, rising from the grave business? It all sounds like foolishness to me. It's all kind of gross. It's actually a little gory. And this rising again is a little bit far-fetched. We don't even like hearing about all that blood and stuff. But then one day, the Holy Spirit speaks to my heart. And I realized that this message was for me personally. That this message leads me to confess that Jesus is my Savior. He is my Lord. I know He died for my sins. And I know He conquered my death. And he can do the same for you, my friend. So what used to be foolishness is now great wisdom. What used to be weakness is now the power to live for God. Suddenly it all makes sense. Right here is the power. The power to change the way you think. The power to change the way you act. The power to change the way you live. Here, friend, is the power to overcome all of our sins. To have victory over alcoholism and addictions and all manner of sin. To actually overcome half-heartedness toward God. Here is the power to heal broken marriages and the power to help the heart that's torn apart by grief. Here is the power that will bring families back together. Here is the power, friend, that can fill that crater of loneliness to somebody who's struggling, struggling with being all alone. Here, friend, is a power that's greater than anything else that the world has ever known. It's the power of God. 
The power of God, friend, that changes us. It transforms us. It motivates us. It makes us new. And it gives us victory. We have victory. The victory has been won, friend. Understand that and don't you ever let it go. The victory has already been won. All you have to do is live in it. The apostles finally understood that. I pray that you're beginning to understand that. But finally and quickly, I want you to see that there are just some things that we'll never understand this side of heaven. There are some things about the Lord's crucifixion. There are some things about Jesus rising from the grave that we will never understand this side of glory. Never. And let me tell you something. That's okay. That's okay. We'll never fully understand the suffering that Jesus experienced for us. We never understand that. We do all that we can to prolong life. We do all we can to put off death. We fear the pain of death. We actually fear the uncertainty of death. But the Bible says that Jesus voluntarily... Now last week I told you what voluntarily means. Voluntarily means to willingly offer yourself. So Jesus willingly offered Himself for our sins. He willingly offered Himself for every sin that has ever been committed in the history of mankind. Every sin. Somebody say every sin. Every one of them, y'all. Every one of them. At times, I'm weighed down by the burden of my own sin. I can't imagine what it's like to be burdened with all of our sin. At every age and in every generation. We'll never understand that kind of suffering. We'll never understand the crushing weight of sin that Jesus experienced. We'll never understand what was going on in heaven while Jesus was dying on earth. We'll never understand the loneliness that Jesus experienced as he was dying. Rejected. On the cross. We'll never understand that. I don't understand that. For you see every time we read the words. My God. My God. Why have you forsaken me? We are reading a mystery. A mystery. I mean. How can God. Forsake himself. How on earth can an immortal God become mortal and then die? How can a God who is spiritual, how can a God who is spirit become flesh and live among us? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We'll never fully understand how and why we were created. 
We'll never fully understand how and why we were completely forgiven and cleansed of every sin we've ever been committed, we've ever committed. But listen to me. If you listen to say amen. One of these days, one of these days, we're going to open our eyes and we're going to be in a different place. One of these days, it's going to be our resurrection day. One of these days, suddenly, all these mysteries, all of our unanswered questions are going to be made clear. But right now, right now, this is one thing we can Understand, there is only one sacrifice for sin. Friend, listen carefully. There is only one way that you and I can be forgiven of sin. There is only one way by which you can be saved from the penalty of sin. And that, very simply, is to believe and to trust that Jesus died for you, that Jesus rose again for you, and that's all that matters. A lot of stuff in our life we think matters. Uh Uh-uh. This is all that matters. If you ain't got this right, all the rest is going to flounder. You got to get this right. This is all that matters. So listen, whatever you do, Today, do not ignore God's invitation for you to be saved this morning. You can walk out of here a different woman. You can walk out of here a different man. God gives us the ultimate compliment. He gives us the ability to understand, to comprehend, to reason, and to make choices this morning. It's time for you to make your choice. If during this decision song, you felt the Lord calling you to come to him for the forgiveness I've been talking about. If you feel God calling you to come to him so that you'll be the disciple that he's called you to be. Don't hesitate. You come when the song starts. I'll show you what the Bible says. and That's all that matters. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father God, you're amazing. And Father, you saw our greatest need from centuries past. And Father, I pray in Jesus' name for every person in the room, Father, that the the resurrection of Jesus has become real to them this morning. That they realize that there's only one way. There's only one plan. There's no plan B. Jesus is the only way. He's the only sacrifice for sin. For that person that is ready to come to you, you give them the courage to make the first step. You'll make the rest of them for them if they'll just make the choice to come. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Let's all stand. Let's sing.